0: Good morning, online campus, and uh, the enormity and the grandness of the Lamb of God. We'll be talking about the Lamb of God this morning as we look at John's gospel. So right now, we can just start to turn to John's gospel, chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. As you're turning there, Um, I'm going to celebrate a couple things, and uh, I'm going to challenge you as well. On your seat There was a card that has a really nice image of our praise and worship team. Can we give our praise team a big hand and just thank them for what they do? All that goes into preparation, practice, and then coming and and leading us to the throne of grace is a wonderful thing. But here's what I believe. I believe that there are individuals sitting here in our first service and maybe even online, that you are musically gifted. You've played an instrument, you sing very well, and uh, if if you don't believe that, just ask yourself how well you sing, right? (laughs) But we wanna invite you to use your gift for the glory of God. If you don't use it, guess what happens? You lose it. And wouldn't you wanna use it for the glory of Jesus instead of losing it. Uh, so I'd like for you to pray about coming to our lunch that we're going to have a kind of meet and greet. If you do play an instrument or you you do sing, that is on February the 20th. And uh, the praise team will be there to talk to you. And And so fill out that card, put it in the, the uh, giving station in the back, the giving box, and we will be contacting you for that. So that's one thing that I want for you to pray about. The other thing I think we should celebrate is this is the last Sunday of our R1K year-end offering, our giving. And I mentioned to you last week that we were going to tally all the stock that had come in. and all the, There's two or three different avenues where stock came in and that was already added up. And so uh, last week we were a little bit below 43,000. And this week we're a little bit above ninety-three thousand dollars. So we're ninety-four thousand, seven fifty. So let me say this nothing is impossible for God. Now now God is not as interested in monetary amounts as we are, because He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? What he is interested in is people coming to him, people getting saved. And so with, as we begin to navigate with, with what the Lord has blessed us with for 2022, the fruit will be how many people come to Jesus at the end of the year. Because you cannot put a price on a human soul. God gave his very best. Amen. So... Um, let me start out my message with a question. How many of you have ever messed up in your life? <laughs> how, how, how many of you messed up this week? Right? Someone in the front row said, I messed up today. True confessions are good. You know, we, we, there's a lot of ways to mess up. I look at the, the creation account and the story of Adam and Eve. They only had one way that they could mess up, right? It was that tree in the middle of the garden of the knowledge of good and evil. And who would want to know evil? If you only knew good, who, do, who would want to know evil? People. If you would have been there, you would have done the same thing. And we have all kinds of ways that we can mess up. You know, we can lie. We can uh, we can steal. We can uh, we can covet. We can we can gossip. Not anyone in first service, second service they have a problem with that. Uh, we can uh, you know we can we can murder. We can we can kill someone. I've, I've taken people through uh, and leadership has taken people through steps because maybe they went to war or or maybe they just you know they 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 killed someone and it, and it's it's it does something to your soul. Amen. You can uh, you have an affair. You can, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And there's there's, there's those things that, that we do where we mess up. Um, I come from a family. I come from a family. I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm, I am Hispanic. <laughs> but I come up from a family that they didn't spare the chancla. <laughs> and so when you messed up, uh, your mom, she was she was an expert with the chancla. They had this little slipper and they could pull it off and they could hit you no matter what room you were in. And my, my mom was so good that she could boomerang. She could hit you and it'd come back to her. <laughs> Behave herself. But I had an aunt. I had an aunt, Aunt Tina. And my Aunt Tina gave a quarterly spanking. This is not a politically correct introduction. Let me just tell you that. Oh, I can't believe they're spanking. Well, in my family, they spanked. And uh, we grew up, we, we were okay with that. I can count the spankings that my dad gave me. And I needed every one of them. You know why? Because I was a sinner. And so uh, my aunt used to give quarterly spankings, I'm going to call them. She didn't really plan them out. But I would ask my, my cousins, uh, why, why are you getting spanked? I don't know. <laughs> and she would say, because you did something wrong that I didn't see. Or you're going to do something wrong that I don't know about. And so she'd give a nalgada, you know. Uh, The reality is that all of us, all of us fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. And there's the sin of omission, the things that maybe you didn't know about, or the sins of commission, the sins that you definitely knew about. And if any of you had a Roman Catholic background, you know about those, right? You're reminded constantly of of those things that you have done wrong, or you don't even know that you've done them wrong. But here is the good news that when we come to worship Jesus, we come to a place of restoration, we come to a person of grace. We come to a God and a Savior who cares about every detail in our lives. And God is not a condemning God. He's a restoring God. And the church is not a place where people feel guilt, but where they are lifted up from that life that they were in. And they are ushered into the presence of mercy, love, and grace. And where God makes you better, not worse. And so this is exactly what the narrative is that we're going to look at today as we go to verse uh, 29. We see there that John the Baptist had already given his testimony. We're following that testimony where he said, I am not the Christ. I am not Elijah. I am not the prophet that Moses talked about. I am the one that's going to make straight a path for the Messiah, for the Lord. And he was used by God to not only know his testimony, everyone has a testimony, amen? All of us have a testimony. We're either gonna point people to God or we're gonna drive people away. And let me tell you how you drive people away, by condemning them for something they already know is wrong. So we point them, we make it straight to the one that is able to restore them. So he, he knew that he had a testimony, okay? He owned his testimony. Remember last week? He owned it. No one else can own your, your, your testimony. It's your story. It's unique to you, and you're able to point people to the Savior of mankind because you know how good he's been to you. You know how gracious he's been to you, how much love he's poured into your life, how much care he has For each one of us. And then he lived. He lived his testimony. He lived it. And the way we live out our testimony is we need to humble ourselves by knowing that we're not worthy to untie the sandal of our Lord. None of us are. We're not worthy. We're not worthy to be here. I'm not worthy to stand in front of you. It's by God's grace that I can stand here. John the Baptist understood he wasn't worthy. He humbled himself. But the other thing that John the Baptist knew was that he was going to bloom wherever he was planted. You guys are here in Oracle. You guys maybe have a residence in Saddlebrook Ranch or Eagle Crest or Catalina or Samuel or or Mammoth or Oracle. And God wants you to bloom where you're planted. He wants for you to be used by him to bring glory to him. So we come from that background to the text. And verse 29 says this. The next day he, we're talking about John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm going to read that again. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, if you've come this morning to meet with Jesus, he's here to take your sin. He's here to take every detail of mess-ups that you've made this week or in previous weeks. He wants to take that from you. Verse 30, this is he on behalf of, Of whom I said, after me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John the Baptist is explaining why he came and baptized. It was a mandate from God. God allowed for his mother Elizabeth to get impregnated at a very old age beyond her age of, of being able to have ch- children. Zechariah, again, was, was, uh, was, was very old in his age, and, and they had a child, but the whole reason was that he would be a forerunner for the Messiah, and he would be baptizing, telling people, especially the people of Israel, they have a need to repent. They have a need to turn away from, from the direction that they're headed, away from God, and turn around and come back to God. That's, all re- that's what repentance is. It's just changing your mind. It's changing your direction. Verse 32 John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. So the Spirit of God came in the form of a dove, and he stood, and he, and he was there upon. Jesus, as he got baptized, he said, verse 33, I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and I have testified that this is the Son of God. And let me tell you that I am here to testify that the Son of God will change your life. The Son of God has changed my life. Because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why is the lamb important? I know that there are some that are in this service. I know that there are some that are watching that. that you, you may be scratching your head. What is the significance of the lamb? And the Bible explains it very clearly to us. As we talk about the points that, that I want for you to take away with you, for you to... To, to consider. Um, the first point is this. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the lamb. And as we go and we dissect and we do introspect of, of why the lamb is necessary, It will give you a greater appreciation of the mercy and the grace of God. You'll be able to stand in his presence with confidence and assurance that it's not because of anything you have done. It's only because of what he has done for you. And that's throughout your walk, beloved. Let me, let me say this. That is throughout your walk. It, it's not like if you start out needing the lamb and then after that you can do it yourself. We can never do it without Jesus. What, what I have come to find out in my, in my walk with God is that I needed Jesus when I first came to him. I need Jesus now and I know I'll need him in the future. I need his, his atonement. And we'll talk about that and what that means. Every hour and minute of the day. So here's some some important takeaways from point number one that, that Jesus is a lamb. The first thing is that he is God's Lamb. John pointed at Jesus, John the Baptist, and he said, This is the Lamb of God. And we find in the Old Testament that God would always provide a lamb, a, 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 a lamb that would be a sacrifice. We'll talk about the necessity of a sacrifice in a little bit, but, but God would always provide a lamb. Abraham, the, the, the great father of faith, the great patriarch, in the Old Testament we, we see that he prophesied when he took Isaac, The one who had been promised to him, the one that him and Sarah had at a very old age, Abraham being 100 years old, Sarah being in her 90s, and and they had Isaac. And and God said to him, you know, I want you to go and sacrifice your son. Now, that was a test that God was was giving to him for him to be tested about his love and trust in, in God. And Abraham loved God, and he trusted God, and he loved his son Isaac. And he's walking up this mountain up Mount Sinai, and Isaac asked a question. He says, Dad, where's the lamb? Where's this goat that we're supposed to have, Dad? And Abraham prophesied in Genesis uh, chapter 22, verse 8, and, and this is what Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb. You know, in, in our initiative to get right with God, We always try to sacrifice from our own merit. That's what religion is. Religion is, if if I do more, if I pray five times toward a direction, then I'm going to get... I'm going to get right with God. If I, if I fast three times a week, I'm going to get closer to God. If I pray this many times, I'm going to become greater as God because I'm sacrificing. If I give my money to the poor, if I, if I walk uh, three miles a day uphill both ways and I do it for God, I'm sacrificing so that God can see how good I am We did 21 days of prayer, not so that God could see how good we are, but because we need his hand in our lives. We need the power and the goodness of God. See, religion says, I did this, I did that, look at me. But you have no power And I have no power to remove my sins. Only God does. And we need the Lamb of God. We need Jesus Christ. Because outside of Jesus, we all have a sinful nature. Even the most religious people cannot get rid of a sinful nature. You ever prayed and prayed and prayed, Lord, take, get, Lord, take this away from me, or you've, you're in this uh, in this uh, uh, you know situation, and maybe you're you're facing fear, you're facing anxiety, you're facing all these things. Lord, take this away from me. Or you're you're facing an addiction. Or it could be a lot of different things. Lord, take this away from me. And you can be as religious as you want, but it doesn't go away. And and somehow, some way, God is teaching you that the more you trust Him, that the more you just just lean on Him, that in your weakness, His power is perfected. In you, when you trust him, no matter what you're going through. Man, you guys got really quiet because you're kind of thinking, well, well, well Pastor, what do you mean? Here's what, what the Apostle Paul said in, in Romans chapter 7, verse 18 and 19, and then verse 24 and 25. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That, that is in my sinful nature. I, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anyone kind of just testify to that? Uh, Just stand up right now if you've never felt this way. (laughs) He, He goes on, he says, oh, what a miserable person that I am. Anyone ever felt that way? You know, you messed up, you, you, you've done things, the things you want to do you don't do, the things you don't want to do, those things you do, and then you feel so miserable. And religious people come around you and, and they, you know, they, they start telling you, oh, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe I did that either. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then someone say, thank God. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The the Lamb of God. That's why John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. John the Baptist understood that he was a man, but he was not the man. And you'll never do enough. If you could, if you could do enough to merit your salvation, Jesus would never have... Jesus would never have had to come to this good earth if we could do enough. God the Father would just say, follow his direction, follow her direction. But the reality is that all of us, all of us, every single one of us fall short of the glory of God. God loved you so much that he sent the lamb. And here's the second facet. He is the perfect sacrifice. He, he's a propitiation. That's a big word that just means a worthy sacrifice. In other words, when he went to the cross and he died, he was the sacrifice that sufficed for all the bad that we've done, all the evil that we are without him. Year after year, the Jewish people would take lambs and goats and heifers to be sacrificed. Do you know why they did it year after year? Ask yourself that question. Why do they do it year after year? Because those lambs and those goats and those heifers did not suffice. They were not good enough to take the sin completely forever. So year after year, they were reminded that they had to, again, sacrifice to make atonement for their sins. But the blood of Jesus would be shed once and for all. And it sufficed once and for all. Tell your neighbor that he is a worthy sacrifice. He's a worthy sacrifice in your life. He's the one that paid it all. The the writer of Hebrews, he put it like this. He said, with his own blood, talking about Jesus, not the blood of goats and calves, he, Jesus, entered the most holy place once for all time. And he secured our redemption forever forever. Forever. That means that when Jesus went to the cross, when he went into that most holy place, when that veil was torn from top to bottom, and he made a way for us to enter into the most holy place, it was done. It never changes. It never ends. No matter how our, our behavior is, no matter how our thoughts are, no matter what we're going through, he paid it all. Oh. He is your worthy Sacrifice. It goes on and says, Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. And this is important, beloved, because let me tell you that the devil, he will tempt you and then he'll condemn you. I'm going to say it again. The devil will tempt you and then he'll condemn you. That's not God. Now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our Sin. This is important. This is important. This is important. You don't need the blood of any lambs and goats anymore. You don't need to rebuild the temple anymore. Jesus paid it all. Jesus fulfilled what no man can do. You don't have to go back to any religion. You don't have to go back to trying to do it in your own ability. It's Jesus plus nothing, and it's everything. If you can grab a hold of that, it will change your life. Our Our greatest temptation, let me tell you what our greatest temptation is. It's not all the things that we mess up with. That's not our greatest temptation. Our greatest temptation is to try to be good in our own selves. Our, our, our greatest temptation is for us to merit some kind of goodness in our own ability. Oh, God, look at what I've done. I, I, I prayed every day. I, I send scriptures every day. I, I do this and I do that. And, and, and you have to really test yourself. Why am I doing these things is so, so that I can look good for God, so that I can look good for others? Our greatest temptation, beloved, hear me now, is for us to think that we have something to do with our salvation. The only thing we have to do with that is trusting in the one that paid it all. Paul Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. He said, I'm certain. How many of you know that when you're certain about something, you're certain about it? Paul said, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue whose work? He's going to continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. In other words, Jesus paid the price on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Jesus ascended to the Father on the 40th day, and Jesus is with you every day of your life when you believe. To work in you through the power of the Holy Spirit, and where you fall short, he makes up for it. And can I tell you, the more he makes up for for it in my life, the better he is. The more I think that I'm doing it in my own ability, the lesser of Jesus that I think I need. I need I need all of Jesus. I need that lamb of God. Peter wrote this, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. He's talking about Adam and and going forward. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which will lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God." God. God loves me so much that he paid the price for all the debt that I owed. It's done. And he didn't just pay for my past. He paid for my present. He didn't just pay for my present. He paid for my future. Are you with me? Are, do, do you understand that, that he paid, he paid the, the ransom for you? So that you wouldn't be in bondage anymore. So that you wouldn't be in, in, in this place of, 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 of just complete despair. But that you could have hope. You could walk with your head up high. You could walk with the, with the strength of what God has done for you. Here's a, here's a third takeaway from point one. He is the Passover lamb. Raise your hand if you know who the Passover, what the Passover lamb represented. Just raise your hand. The Passover lamb was, was in, in, when Moses went to Egypt to deliver the, the children of Israel, the Passover lamb was the was last miracle that God performed. And it was on the last day before they exited, before they made the exodus, they were supposed to get a, a, a lamb that had no blemish. And they were to sacrifice that lamb. And they were going to put the blood on the, on the lentil and on the doorpost. And where that blood of that Passover lamb came, there was going to be a death angel that was going to go through the, the whole community there in Egypt. And wherever that blood was not there, the firstborn would die. And because of that Passover lamb, they would not taste death. Uh, How important is that to us, that Jesus is our Passover lamb? And I tell you, because of Jesus, I have life eternal. Because of Jesus, I have abundant life. The the prophet Isaiah, he 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 put it like this, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, he said, he was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. And he gave his life and became our Passover lamb so that none of us will ever have to fear death again. Because we are alive forever in Jesus. Our life continues Even after we die in this life, we go into life eternal with Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Here's the the second point. Point number two the Lamb of God removes your sin. John the Baptist put it like this Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. Why why do we need our sins to be removed? Because we're all guilty. And the answer to your sin removal is Jesus. Why is that important? Because so many people live their lives defined by what they did in the past or what they're doing now. But when you come to Jesus, he is more than able to remove your sin. So you're not defined in what you did, you're not defined in who you were, you're not defined in what you're struggling with, you're defined in the one who's able to take it away. And here's what I believe, first service, I believe that God has ordained today a day that you're going to identify and realize that Jesus took your sin. That you don't have to walk in any condemnation. You don't have to live in any guilt. You can confess your sins to Jesus and he's faithful to forgive you of all your unrighteousness. And cleanse you and make you right. It it, it speaks to us that that if, if Jesus takes away our sin, whatever we're struggling with, and all of us have kryptonite. All of us have kryptonite in our life. All of us have something that weakens us in our faith. Amen. You know, some people struggle with with, with this. Some people struggle with that. Some people, but we all struggle. But when you can come to the perfect lamb of God who takes away your sin, you can trust him that he's not done, that he's still at work. And he's going to re- remove anything from your life as, as, he, as he guides you, as he directs you, as he helps you, as he puts people in your life that are going to encourage you and strengthen you as he speaks to you through, your, through his word. And his word makes us strong from the inside out. The, the apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, he said, everyone has sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. There's not a person who is good enough. There's not a person who is truly right. I I love the way the message paraphrase puts it. It, It's in, in Romans 3, 23 and 24. He says, the God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. There is no difference between us and them in in, in this since we've compiled this long and sorry record of sinners, both us and them. In other words, he's saying Jews and Gentiles, we all have this problem. And he proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious life God wills for us. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself. It's a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. So that I can glorify Jesus in everything. Because I'll tell you right now that without Jesus, I understand that I am nothing. Without Jesus, I continually fall short. Without Jesus, I continually mess up. Without Jesus, I continually live in guilt. Without Jesus, I continually live in fear. Without Jesus, I continually live in guilt. But the Bible tells me that his perfect love will cast out all fear. That that he is enough. His sacrifice is enough. For all the things that I've struggled with, for all the things that are going to come at me even in the future. If God has taken your sins and if he's removed your sins it's time for you not to be defined by your sins. Don't let the devil do that to you. Don't let that bully, the enemy of your souls continue to say look at what you've done. Look at who you've been. You can look right back at him. You can just speak right to him and say, I am a child of God. I am defined by what the Lamb of God has done for me, and he removed who I was, and I'm a work in progress. I am a whip right now. Not a wimp. I said it last week. I'm not wimpy, 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 but I'm whippy, wimpy, wimpy. I'm a work in progress. And that progressive sanctification that God is doing in me is good. Here's point number three. The Lamb of God removes the sin of the world. You see, this is not a regional or a district religion. He- hear me now, that's important. There are, there are regional religions. There, there, are, there are countries that, that they're known for their religion. But Christianity is not a regional or a district religion. It's the antidote. It's a remedy for a world problem. And the problem of the world is that we're all sinners. Whether you're white, brown, yellow, African American, it doesn't matter who we are. We all need redemption. We all need to be cleansed. By the blood of Jesus. And that's why it's so important, beloved, that when we go and we have missionaries and and, and we're doing work in different countries and different communities and different places, that we understand that it is Jesus and Jesus alone. They don't need to hear about America or about, you know, uh, your culture. I mean, that's all okay, but here's what they need to hear. See, America is not the answer. Jesus Christ is. And wherever Jesus is preached... Wherever Jesus is believed, wherever Jesus is lived, great things happen. The world needs Jesus. Paul writing to the Romans, he said this, there is no one righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God all have turned away they have together become worthless there is no one who does good not even one the psalmist put it like this he says the fool says in his heart there is no god they are corrupt their deeds are vile they are they, they, this is uh, or there is no one who does good the lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there is if if there are any who understand, any who seek God, but all have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Someone at the Kearney campus, I did a, I did a memorial service two weeks ago at the Kearney campus. We had a lot of people that have never stepped foot in that, in that church. And 11 people said yes to Jesus that night. No. But, yeah, that's God. But here's the thing afterwards. A young man came in, or, or a middle-aged man came in and started talking to him, him and his wife. And his wife wanted to see the stage. And we were talking, and he said, "You know, I believe that. Uh, I believe that Jesus is good, but I believe there's a lot of ways. I believe Buddha, you know, can can lead you uh, in a spiritual direction. I believe that, you know, Islam can can do some good. I believe this and that." And I said, "Yeah, I said that's that's a wonderful way to believe. But the problem with that is, if we believe it, we believe that, then." The words of Jesus are not true. I said, I want you to consider this. I said, Jesus said, I I am the way. I am the truth. And he said, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, why would the creator, Jesus being the creator of the universe, God the Son, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and everything that was made was made through Him. So if Jesus being the creator and choosing to come to this earth, and there's many ways to God, if that was true, why wouldn't Jesus have said, you know what, I don't have to go because you can do it this way or that way or this way. And he got real quiet. And he said, you're right. So my question to you is, do you want to do it God's way? And God's way is through Jesus. God's way is the perfect way. The perfect one died for imperfect people so that we could have perfect salvation and redemption and life in Christ. Muhammad, Buddha, and Gandhi, they're all in the grave. But Jesus, He rose on the third day, just the way the Bible said He would. And He is our redemption. Online campus, he's your redemption. He's your salvation. He's the one that takes your sin and removes it. He is the perfect lamb. The perfect sacrifice. The one who shed his perfect blood so that we could be cleansed from all our imperfections. But because he's so perfect, he doesn't force anybody to choose him. He invites you. And when you take that invitation from the king of kings and the lord of lords, you become a new person. You become born again. And that sinful past, hear me now. That sinful past doesn't identify with you anymore because you're now in God's inheritance. You're in God's lineage and his blood begins to run through your spiritual DNA. He doesn't look at you the same anymore. He looks at you through the lens of grace and mercy and atonement. And you can walk with your head up high and you can live like a son and daughter of the almighty God. And your life changes eternally because God loved you so much that he gave his son and you received him into your life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead online campus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer that you say, I, I'm tired of doing life on my own. I, The words that you spoke are the words of eternal life. And today I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. It's a simple prayer. It's just God. Thank you for loving me. I'm so tired of trying to do life on my own. Today I've heard and I admit that I'm a sinner. I fall short of your glorious ideal and your glorious standard but I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I believe that he went to the cross at Calvary and he died for all of my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day just like the Bible said he would. And so today I confess Jesus as my Lord. I confess him as my Savior and I choose to follow him from this day forward. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I want everyone to look at me real quick because if you prayed that prayer today, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I, I am identifying with that. Amen, bro. I see that hand. Yeah, I see your hand. Thank you. You're just saying, Lord Jesus, I am identifying with that. I am saying yes. And it's settled. Your salvation is settled. If, if you did that at, in, at home or wherever you're watching this, just tell Jesus, that's me. And he sees your hand. And and, and the raising of our hand or the standing up or walking down the aisle, you know, that's not really for us, even though we're going to applaud you. But it's for for God. God seeing you take that step of faith. And it settles that. You become a follower of Jesus. Now I'm going to pray a second prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer for that person that may be struggling. You may be struggling with a prevailing sin, with a sin that's been kind of latched on to you. I'm going to pray because Jesus said he promised us that he's the lamb of God who removes the sin in our lives. And maybe you've been struggling with something and God wants to remove your sin. That doesn't mean that you you stop being his child. That means that you're struggling with something in your life. Amen. That kryptonite that makes you weak in your walk. But we're going to trust God that he ordained this prayer to set you free. God, you know every person here and you know every person watching. And you know the struggle that they have. Lord, you see my struggles. You know everything that I go through. And you care about me so intently and so greatly, Lord. But for that person that has not been able to shake a a, a sin in their life, I pray right now, Lord, you teach us in your word that you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Father, I pray, Lord, for that person that that, that has not had had a breakthrough. I pray that today is a breakthrough. Today is this prayer is going to break through the chains and set them free. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, move amongst your people and break what needs to be broken for the glory of Jesus Christ. And all of us say a big amen and amen. God is good. Leave today with your head up high because you serve the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. And share it with the world. Share it with your neighbors. They need to know that. They need to be set free. Let's stand up and worship our King. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.